Hey, good morning, All Shores. I want to invite you to stand. We're just going to start out worshiping this morning. We get to actually celebrate baptism later on. So we're going to, we're really just going to sing about this great power, this life-changing power that we have in Christ. Because we see this transformation right in front of our eyes today. Sing, there's a name. There's a name that levels mountains Carves out our ways through the sea We've seen his power unravel battles Right in front of me There's a faith that stands to fire Goliath to his knees. I've seen his praise unravel shackles right off my feet. Cause that's the power of your name. Just a mention makes a way. Giants fall and strongholds break. Thank you. 
there's power we believe there's a power accessible to us now through the power of your holy spirit we believe that dead things come to life we believe that breakthroughs around the corner but we also know there's a part for us to play and that part is surrender so god now we pray this simple prayer of make me an offering god we empty out ourselves fully to be filled up with you Spirit, would you fill us now? In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender, you are breaking.
God is in the business of making things new, and uh, today we get to celebrate people's lives who have been changed because of His grace. So once you have a seat where you're at, but those who are getting baptized, make your way forward. You guys don't have to grab a seat. Make your way forward. So we get to celebrate. We had one in the first hour. We have four people getting baptized today. Excited for that. Yeah. And just... Just as a reminder to the church, uh, baptism is one of two sacraments, communion is the other, that Jesus called us to do, that this is something that he desires. And it's, it's, a, it's a picture, it's an image, and the sacrament is really, uh, we believe that God's presence is there in a unique way. And so God shows up, and it's a testimony, baptism simply means to wash. It's a washing away of our sin. It's what Jesus did for us when we receive him as our Savior. And it's being made new. The scriptures tell us uh, another illustration. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 said that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And it's the image of us dying with Christ, going under the water, into the grave, and then rising again. And we... We rise to a new life, a new way, where the Lord and His Spirit leads us in all we do. And so, if you've been baptized before, today is just another reminder of your place in Christ and to celebrate what He has done for you as we celebrate these baptisms this morning. So, as a congregation, we're going to continue in worship, and uh, you guys will get a chance to celebrate as they come up out of the water. Yeah? Good. Let's do this. Just like Lazarus, oh, you brought me back. 
revival we saw the dead things being washed away in the water and God we can't help but pray for more when we see it with our own eyes so God that's our heart cry this morning pour it out pour out your presence pour out your life changing presence to us today God we believe this in faith we believe that you will send your presence that you will comfort us where we need comforting. You will meet us where we're lost. And God, we believe that revival is right in front of our eyes. Holy Spirit, we just pray for more. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all for worshiping this morning. You may or may not have known that our, our senior pastor, Pete, has been on sabbatical for the past several months. And we get to celebrate that he is back next Sunday with us. Um, and we have this, this special video from, from Wayne Schmidt, who is, he's the general superintendent over all of the Wesleyan Church in North America. And he has a message just for, for us as a, as a church body as we anticipate Pete's return next week. So if you want to take a seat and turn your attention to the screen. Good morning, All Shores Church. My name is Wayne Schmidt. I serve as general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, but my roots are in West Michigan. I've known about Spring Lake, All Shores, all of my life. I'm so blessed by your pastor, Peter, and by Jane and their ministry. My times with him result in added wisdom, greater faith. Just am grateful for the iron sharpens iron relationship that Peter and I share. And I'm blessed indirectly through others. My accountability partner for the last 38 years came to into my life from All Shores Church, Spring Lake, and regularly meets about once a month with Peter, and those two dive deep in theology and other things, and then Paul comes back and shares with me all the good things he's picked up. And Dennis Jackson, Director of Global Partners, is a dear friend since college days, and Peter continues to fan the flames of passion for missions. So thankful to your church, so thankful to Peter and Jane. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, I, I want to pray Isaiah 26, that um, as their trust is in you, that you will, as a result, give them all of the perfect peace that they need. I pray perfect peace for Pete and for Jane during this time of sabbatical. I ask that they will grow in their trust and fix their thoughts on you. 
because that is the source of perfect peace. I not only pray that for them, but this is sabbatical season right alongside theirs for this church. I pray for all shores. I pray that they too will grow in their trust, grow in the focus of their thoughts on you, and the result will be an abundant blessing within the church and beyond the walls to the ends of the earth. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed service today. Well, good morning. I am so glad that you were here at Church Rose. What a great way uh, to just have the, begin the weekend celebrating baptism, worshiping together. And I just love being at church. I love that you are here, whether you're here in person or that you are joining us line. I'm glad that you are here. We want to connect with you. We want to get to know you. We want to help connect with you as well. So if you... Uh, the best way we have to do that is our connection card. There's a QR code in front of you. You can open up your phone to your camera, point it at that. You can, the connection card will come up. We can connect with you that way. You can put prayer requests on there. We can help you uh, take steps in your faith, connect you to the church in a deeper way. We'd love to connect with you in person as well, especially if you are new. We have a connection point in the very outside in the lobby in the back of the room where I'll be after the service, and we have great people to help you answer any questions you have in a way that we can connect further as well. So we'd love to meet you and move in that way. Well, we worship together. We celebrated baptism together. We're going to hear God's word together, and we're going to continue worshiping this morning by simply receiving our God's tithes and our offerings. It is just simply how we partner with God that we say we trust you even with our finances because we want to be a part of what God is doing in our church, in our community, and around the world, that we want to be a generous church. And we can only do that because you are generous people and you trust God and you trust your church that way. So if you came prepared to give, we truly want to do it as an act of worship and an act of trust. There's ways to give on the screen behind me. There are offering boxes by the doors on the way out. They're up on the walls by each door. If you want to give kind of traditionally that way, we are so grateful for that. Uh, but we really want you to do that as worship with joy in your heart. So thank you in advance for that. Turn your attention to the screen for more information. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave. Uh, I may, maybe I haven't met you in person or haven't seen you because you're online. But one of the roles that I oversee here at the church is our care ministry. In our care ministry, we're really striving to build a culture of care in our church. So that culture of care that spills over out of our church, into our neighborhoods, into our communities, and into our workplaces. You know, if you were here on Labor Day weekend, I had a chance to preach, and we talked about just how we're building that culture of care, how we are to kind of to see the needs around us, how we just take a step toward those needs, and then we simply do what we can. It's how we build this culture of care individually. We all have that individual responsibility in our lives to do that. But there's things that we also do as a ministry, things that we do systematically here at the church 
And I'm going to share four ways that you can really simply be involved in that today. You'll be able to go out in the lobby after church and sign up for that. You can probably do that on a connection card if you're online as well or email me if you want more information. But I just want to share these with you. We have a great card ministry that Aaron leads. We simply send cards out to people uh, when they're sick, when they have new babies, when they need encouragement. You know, we will send you names of people. And all we do is ask you to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, and send a card to encourage people. We've sent over 400 cards out to people last year and just heard great things from that ministry. We have a ministry where we have these simple care bags that we give to people. We give to new moms after they have a child. Uh, We give them to people when they're sick or have surgery. And they're just another way of just saying, we see you, we care about you, and you're not alone in the midst of that. We deliver these to people, and we need people that are willing to help put these together and people that are also willing to deliver that because I'm kind of wearing Lisa out because she's the only one doing it right now. So we'd love to have more people involved in that. We've got an opportunity, what we call to be a care partner. And some of you are just really gifted at connecting with people, maybe making a phone call, a text, just following up with someone who is in need. You know, we have over 100 people kind of in our care system right now, and there's no way that I can effectively care for all those people by myself, nor should I, because many of you are gifted in that way as well. So you'd be just connect with someone maybe that you already know and follow up with them and just pray with them and just let them know that you are walking with them during their difficult time. And finally, we have a meal ministry where we just provide fresh meals for people when they're going through, whether it's surgery, again, maybe you've had a a baby, maybe it's just a difficult time in meals help. And we have a great system for doing that where we have about 30 people on that team right now. When those needs arise, you just get an email or a text, and and if you're able at that time, you bring a meal over through the uh, Take Them a Meal program. You know, we've got, like I said, about 30 people, but we really need like 50 people to be involved in that to provide the meals that we really want to, and it's a really simple way. You don't have to do everyone that comes out, but when it works, we want you to be a part of that. So you can go ahead and sign up in the lobby. Catch me anytime. Um, we got a great team out there, and they'll give you more information if that's what you need now. You know, we've been doing these ministry highlights throughout the summer because we want you to know that there's ways to be involved in your church. God has given each and every one of you, yep, each and every one of you, unique gifts, unique skills, unique abilities, and he gives you those to build up his church, to build up your church. You know, you grow when you do that, and the church grows, and the people around you benefit from that. But really, I think you really benefit when you're operating in your giftedness. So we just want you to have those opportunities and know what's available in your church. See me, see one of the pastors. You can go on the website. We'd love to help you connect in those areas. So uh, be a part of it. Maybe go through the journey. That's another great way to find your gifts and find out more information. But we're excited to see what God's going to continue to do in our church. Check out the screen for more information about what's going on.
Well, good morning, those of you who are joining us online, those of you who are here in Spring Lake. Maybe we should have called the, uh, the series Keeping Up with Carter, because he's the one that has all this stuff. So, But we are in our fourth week, last week of this series called Keeping Up, and it's uh, what, does, what does our culture of wealth, our culture of affluence, what does that do to us spiritually? And we've dealt with identity and acceptance and greed today, uh, talking about relationships. And uh, so I hope you've been with us through that. But if not, you can uh, go online and uh, watch the previous messages. Excited that Pete will be back next week. And Dr. Wayne Schmidt will actually be preaching next week. He doesn't do that very often um, as he oversees... 2,000 churches in North America, um, but so it'll be a joy to have him with us, great uh, friend. So um, hope you'll come back for that. But you get me again today, so whatever. All right. But we, um, we believe that the Holy Spirit moves here, that, uh, that God does something and speaks to our hearts. And we hear stories all the time of people who say, man, we're singing this song, it just caught me. Or during a prayer time, you just felt God's love wash over you. Uh, or during a message, uh, I've had people come up to me and, and say, oh, thank you for saying this. And I'm like, I don't remember saying that. I don't think I said that. I've gone back and watched. No, nope, didn't say that. But I know who did. It's the Holy Spirit. And so we just want to open up our hearts and minds to hear from him today. And so we're just going to pause uh, before we open up the scriptures and ask him uh, to kind of clear us and be ready for that. All right, let's pray. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to open up the scriptures that were written for us by the Spirit, inspired by the Spirit, that we might, uh, that we might learn what it means to be a follower of Christ, that we might learn what it means to know you. So God, whatever is of me, it would, I just pray that it would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever you have for us today, that it would stick, that it would convict, it might challenge, it might bring correction. But more than that, Lord, that it would change us, that we might be like Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, I was out in Austin about three weeks ago. My wife had a conference, and so I got the opportunity to go out with her for uh, the weekend and um, enjoy a little bit of the warmer weather. It was about 109 there. So I did not go out very much. And uh, my wife, every day, said, you want to go for a walk? And I said, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to go for a walk. Uh, but one day, we did, and uh, I, I, was, I was telling her before we came to Austin that I was there a couple of years ago. This is her first time there. And uh, two years ago, uh, there were many locations, what I would call, I've seen it in New Orleans uh, after the flood and some other places, I would call tent cities. There are places where the homeless had been set up. There were common areas around the city and under bridges, and and you find that in large urban areas. And Austin is the fastest growing city in the United States right now. So there's, there's reasons for that. And uh, I was telling her, like, it's safe, walk around and all that. But, but th these are things that you're going to see. And a couple of years ago, this is an example of the, the main bridge that walks over one of the bridges that you go over in the, in the city. And yet when we came in this time and we started walking around, there was something that I noticed. There were no tents. 
There were no homeless set up. Everything was gone. And so I began to ask, and this is what I do when I go into places, and I, I'm curious. I just start talking to people, strangers. Some of you are like, I can't believe you would just walk up and talk to a stranger. I love it. So I, uh, I would talk to people and say, hey, you, you're from the area. What, what, what's going on here? What, did you guys solve homelessness? And the answer is no. What happened was, because Austin is the fastest growing city, and I heard this from multiple people, so I, I'm not saying this is like the facts. I'm saying there are some things that changed culturally that brought about some change to the homeless. So over the last couple of years, two major companies, Samsung and Tesla, have moved into the area and built large factories. And with that, there was a lot of money that came into town. And high-rises are going up, and apartment prices are going up. And all right downtown, where people are spending a million dollars to live in a two-bedroom apartment overlooking the water. And the one thing that those with money didn't want to look at were tents. And so politics got involved, and very shortly, they kicked all the homeless out. It became illegal to set up tents and to be in the city in these common places. Some of you might go, well, that makes sense. But it was, they weren't solving any issue. They weren't solving poverty. They weren't solving the homelessness. They just kicked them out so no one had to see them. I'm not really sure how helpful that is. You guys know what it's like, that awkward feeling when you pull up at the end of a road and there's someone there with a sign asking for food, asking for money, asking for transportation. And just that awkwardness of, what do I do? Do I give them the money? Does it really help? Will it solve the situation? You, you know that it's a complicated issue. Poverty is complicated. And I, I don't know that we have the answers. I don't know. I, Patrick and I were just at a luncheon on Thursday in Grand Rapids uh, with other churches and ministries kind of asking similar questions. And we deal with this quite a bit, not just locally, but globally. How do we better understand these issues? But one of the things that we do know is that wealth or the lack of wealth, this, this idea of poverty, creates brokenness in our world. You see the brokenness, and even though it's not there anymore, it still exists. People who are hurting, people who are suffering. It's brokenness and sin. And yet the greatest level of brokenness is not the lack of something. It's relationships. Almost any scholar, anyone who has studied poverty will tell you that the greatest brokenness that they have is relationships. Even those without funds, they can't, they can't keep, they have to keep their stuff with them. They can't trust even others around them because they'll steal it. They'll take what they have. And so the poor become protective. It breaks relationships even with those who have money. There are families that are broken and relationships that are broken because children are arguing over inheritance. Divorce, breakups, families torn apart because one spouse is spending in ways that the other does not like or not saving enough. You have gentrification where you have examples of the rich coming into areas and pushing those who do not have out of those areas. You have people who live in gated communities separating themselves from a relationship with others in the community because they want to be by themselves. Money, or the lack of, 
causes all sorts of brokenness and sin in our lives. Even in your arguments that you've probably had with those that you are close with, many of those arguments have been over money, been over wealth, been over resources. It's our youth who grow up, and I want this, and I want that. What about this? Why can't I have that? It's businesses that make decisions. You get let go from a job because they don't feel like your relationship is enough for them. And yet, scriptures tell us that our God is a generous God. Our God cares about what others are going through. He cares about the suffering. He, he cares about every person around the world because we are made in his image. We are image bearers. One of my favorite passages of scripture is in Isaiah 58. It's a call to, in the Old Testament, to those, to the Israel, that they would live like God wanted them to live, that they would have a heart that God had for others. Isaiah 58, uh, actually, it's something simple I do, but every time I preach, I put my notes right there in Isaiah 58, and, and it's subtle, but for me, I put them there because I still want to be reminded of God's heart in the midst of whatever I'm preaching on. And so in Isaiah 58, we read these words. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? So God is calling out to his people and he's saying, is this not the spiritual life? Is this not the direction that I want you to take as people of God? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. And then, Isaiah says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer and you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. I love that passage. Because it reminds us that how we use our resources is directly connected to our relationship with God. When we see those who are in need or we see individuals around us, there is something about how we treat them, how we care for them. That relationship with others affects our relationship with God. And when we do it with a heart that God has for others and we care for them and we clothe the naked we take care of those who are homeless and provide shelter. It says that the light will break forth, that we will experience healing, that our righteousness will go before us, that when we have prayers, God will answer our prayers, and that he will also give us his presence. Here I am. I love that. What do we do with that? How you use your resources is directly connected to your relationship with God. So what do we do with our resources? Is there, a, is there a simple answer? Is there something we can do? Even those who aren't followers of Jesus Christ still have this moral compass, if you will, to care for people who are around them. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning as we get into the text, you might see this statement and you go, I, I don't know that that's true. But I think we would say that as followers of God, that God has placed, because you're an image bearer of his, because you're created in his image, that moral compass that you have, that desire to help others, 
has been planted there by the Spirit. That that is a part of God letting you know that He cares, and more deeply than even you. There is a story in Luke 16 that will help us, I hope, discover at least the next step. What, what can we do and how do we use our resources? And in Luke 16, Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says this. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The story is there's, there's a man who has all kinds of wealth. He's hired a manager to take care of his things. But then the scripture says that the manager was wasting his possessions. Not his own, but the rich man's. You ever know people like that? People that you work with? That you know that there's a budget that you have to meet. Maybe you're the boss, right? You know that there's a budget that you have to meet. But then you see the receipts when they go out to lunch. And whenever they ordered something, you know it was the most expensive thing on the menu. They got the T-bone steak instead of the chopped steak. You know what I'm talking about? Or, or people who, uh, who maybe borrow something from you. They, they borrow your car, but they never put gas in it. It's not theirs. Maybe it's somebody, those of you who are younger, you've got roommates and they borrow an outfit, one that you wear all the time, and they just never return it or they ruin it. It's no big deal to them, right? It's not theirs. And so that's kind of the picture image of this wasting possessions. It literally means in the Greek to kind of scatter like seed. It's this idea of just stuff kind of falling out while you're walking and not caring anything about it. And that's, that's what this man was doing. He was taking whatever possessions the rich man had, and he was doing whatever he wanted with it. It wasn't his. And so when the rich man found out, he called him to account. said, hey, I see what you're doing. But this is my stuff, and I value it. So I'm sorry, you're not employed here anymore. Give me an account at the end of the day of everything that, that you're taking care of. So, of course, the, the manager said to himself, well, what am I going to do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, right? I'm ashamed to beg. I don't have all the skills to do these things, and I don't want to stand on the street corner. And he says, I know what I'll do. And I highlighted that because in the Greek, it's this aorist tense where this is an aha moment for him. This wasn't planned out. He literally was in the moment of hearing that he was being fired. What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, this thought comes to him. I know. I know what I'll do. That when I lose my job here, people will come welcome me into their houses. So what does he do? He called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take out your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And the manager cuts all of the debt in half. This is his aha moment. I know what I'll do. I'll go out and I'll cut everybody's debt in half. There's a couple of things that happen here, right? He, 
he understands that they owe something to this, to this master, to this rich man. First thing is that it was against Jewish law, the law of Moses, to charge interest. And it could be that the rich man was charging interest, and so the manager thought, I'm going to come across looking pretty good if I go and I cut the debt in half like, hey, you know, he's not a very spiritual man. Let me help you out. And he drops their debt in half. It could be that that was the fact. It could be that he just knew that cutting your debt in half feels good. If you were to ask any college student who just received right their notice in the mail that they have to start paying for those student loans that came in, and you said, ah, you just have to pay half, I guarantee you they will be excited. Most of us in this room, if you cut our debt in half, we would be thrilled. And the manager knows this. He knows that he is doing something for them, and he's got this idea in his head that these people will be grateful because he's the one who's done this. He's picturing the very next day walking down the street with his head down. Oh, I got fired. And he comes across the people that he helped out, and there they are standing in the doorway. What's wrong? Well, Lost my job. Really? You were so good. You helped us out so much. We were just having dinner. We're going to have a celebration because we have all this wheat now that we thought we owed. We, we have all this food. We were going to celebrate. Well, c- come on in. We'll take care of you. We'll feed you, right? This is the picture image that the manager has. That if I do this, they are going to welcome me into their homes. And he's not wrong. So how does the master react to this? Does he get livid? Does he get angry? Does he take him to court? Does he try to get the money back? No. Jesus says that the master commended, means praised. He commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now, that's not a regular term you guys use every week, I imagine. Try it, try it tomorrow when you're talking with someone and go, man, that was very shrewd of you. See how that goes over. It means to be wise, but it's with a hint of, like, cleverness. That was clever. He doesn't, no, notice this, he doesn't, um, he doesn't say that the dishonest manager did something right. right? He doesn't affirm his behavior, but he simply kind of struck by it. Oh, that was pretty clever of you to do this. And so he praises him for this. And then Jesus makes this statement. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And Jesus makes a distinction, two different types of people. People of this world, meaning those who are not followers of God, and people of the light. And he makes a statement. He says, the people of this world are really good at dealing with people of this world. They get it. And it's, it's stuff that we get too, right? It's the, it's the worldly way, the cultural way of doing things in relationships. I scratch your back, you scratch, right? Maybe a little money under the table. No one else has to know, right? I'll help you out. And maybe if there's something that I need, you can help me out too, right? It's the Godfather. It's the, eh, I'll have a favor to ask. Just wait. 
It's building relationships. But it's the use of that. Maybe it's bribes. All right? I see this globally. There are things that nonprofits, Christian ministries have purchased for those who are in need around the world, and those items are sitting in ports. I just talked with a pastor two weeks ago that there's items that have been sitting for three years from one church because they refuse to pay the bribe. They are people of the light, and we're not going to do that. And we can talk about this later. It's not the worldly thing to do. We want to be honorable. And yet the people are still suffering, and it sits in the port. And Jesus says, listen, the people of this world, they're pretty good at, at working with people of this world. They're better at it than people of the light. They don't have all these rules and regulations, right? They're not trying to be righteous. Now, this is a tough parable. Jesus isn't calling us to be dishonest. He's not calling us to be more worldly. But he makes the statement that we should be better at building those relationships. He goes so far to say this, or this, these are my words, not Jesus, just to clarify. <laughs> relationships are more valuable than wealth. That, that was true. The manager learned that. That's why the dishonest, that's why the rich man, that's why he was so impressed. Because he knew that the manager understood that the relationships that he had with those debtors, that was more important than the job that he had and the wealth that he had. Jesus says this, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Use your worldly wealth. He's talking to the people of the light. He's talking to his disciples. The resources you have, the wealth that you have, Use that to gain friends, to build relationships. Because one day, it'll be gone. But those relationships can be eternal. And God's heart is to meet the needs of others. And if he sees you doing that, oh, he'll welcome you into your eternal dwelling. In some ways, this sounds like a gospel of works. And I just want to make sure that we're not there. Our debt has been paid by Jesus. You can't do enough good things to measure up. You can't give enough and meet all these needs and somehow check it all off and go, okay, there, now I know I inherit eternal life. Jesus is the one that paid the price for our sins. So it's not a salvation by works, but I do think that it's the outplay of every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, a follower of God, that this is the lifestyle that they live, that this is what they do with their resources. They don't just waste them like the manager who simply goes through life and says, well, this is what I have in my pocketbook. I'll do whatever I want with it. Those resources were God's to begin with, and he gives them to us to steward. The question is, is do we waste them? Or is there a way that we are using those resources to build relationships, to meet the needs of others, to care for what God cares for? In Matthew 25, in the New Testament, Jesus says something that's very similar to Isaiah 58, but he gives us a picture of us followers at the judgment seat. And the king is giving judgment as to who gets in, who doesn't, into eternal life. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. 
the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Why? For when I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Going back to the beginning, how you use your resources is directly connected to your relationship with God. If you're using, if you're, if you're not intentional with that, if you're not asking God, what do I do with my resources? It can bring brokenness and sin into the world. You can separate yourself from so many people. It can ruin relationships. But if you're intentional to say, God, how would you have me use this to benefit others for your kingdom? Oh, it changes things. When I was in uh, Austin and going through this, this message, and I do this with my wife, unfortunately, she oftentimes hears my sermons way before anybody else. Because I'll process it out loud and I'll be talking. And I was, I was telling her, like, this is a difficult parable. You'll have a lot of people who will avoid this parable because... It feels like a salvation by works. It's kind of weird that God is celebrating someone who's dishonest. Like, there's some tension here. I get that. But, but I really think that there's something here. And I was telling her how I was struggling. What is the point that I want to get across? And for hours, I had worked on it in the morning. And we were going for a walk that day. And maybe that's the magic, going for a walk. But we were walking, and I was wrestling with this and telling her about it. And I said, I just don't know how to say this. And she just... Nonchalant goes, oh, you mean leverage today's re resources for tomorrow's rewards? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That's why she has doctor in front of her name, by the way. Leverage today's resources for tomorrow's rewards. To be thinking about what are we doing that is going to gain for the future. That it's not just about today. But it's about building relationships for the future of the kingdom. What does it look like? Let me give you an example. We have a team going to Ethiopia in a couple of weeks. And we're visiting children and guardians at the care point, over 160 of them. And there are people in this church who sponsor those children. They give $50 a month. And that $50 a month, actually it's a little less than that, provides food for the entire family for a month provides education, health care for the family, employment for the guardians, weekly discipleship for the kids, and it pays three full-time employees to run that care point. Children's lives have been physically saved. We've seen uh, some of the Muslim families come to Christ and be converted to Christianity. We've seen the community find resources like clean water and latrines, and they just opened up a little bit ago a new dairy farm that employs 20 of those families. $50. This last week I heard on the radio that the average cost of a date today in the U.S. is 159 bucks. 
But those of you who have young children, you're thinking, really? That's, I could save money at 159. I got to pay for child care. I got dinner, movie, concert, whatever that might be. That adds up quickly. And I'm not saying you quit going on dates. What I'm saying is just one date is enough to feed a family and to take care of all those things for three months in Ethiopia. The question is, is do we even recognize that? Do we even understand that the resources we have can be used for a greater purpose? We have over 300 children and youth who have attended our church since January. And we have staff that are reaching out to them. A couple weeks ago, we had several of our youth get baptized. We had several young men today get baptized. We have a ministry to children and youth to teach them what it means to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to care for them. When you realize that the offering that you give goes to that, goes to help that future generation know Jesus and eventually one day lead his church, does that make a difference for you? Is that leveraging today's resources for tomorrow's rewards? It could be in benevolence and how you give that makes a difference to people outside of our church, to those who are in need. It could be to global outreach. You give to, to the missions work where evangelism, refugee ministry, and church planning movements around the world are taking place. Thousands of people being influenced by the gospel all because of your monthly gift. I think that's a little bit of what it looks like to be intentional, to not be frivolous, to not wasting the possessions as the manager did, but actually be intentional to say, I want, I want to make a difference. I want the reward of relationships with others and to see God move in other people's lives. I don't know what that looks like for you. Over the last four weeks, we've addressed the issues of identity and greed and acceptance and now relationships. There is something to this that affects our spiritual walk, our spiritual lives, how we handle our resources. And the answer to all of it is we simply surrender to God. God, this is yours. I'm yours. What would you have me do? I don't know what that is for each and every one of you. All of us are at different places. I know my wife and I, two weeks ago, we had the conversation about our future. Now that we've got grandkids, like what does it look like? when? What do we want to leave behind? But our first conversation, I can be honest with you, our first conversation was what do we leave behind for the church? Meaning the kingdom. We're going to start there. We'll worry about the rest later. My children have jobs. I'll worry about that later. I want to know where is it going that will make a legacy and a difference for the lives of others, even when I'm gone. And I think that's the lesson that Jesus is teaching. Use your worldly wealth to build relationships, to gain friends. Then when it's gone, and when you're gone, you'll have eternity to spend with them. Whatever that step is for you, I just pray that you would surrender. Say, God, in this area of my life, in this area, it might be something that you do every week that just seems frivolous, and you have the money to do it, and I get that. I'm not saying you can't, you know, go out and buy this or buy that or be on prime days in another week. You know who you are. But ask yourself, 
am I intentionally, in, other, in, in areas of my life, am I giving my resources for the kingdom? I think you'll find the reward from that, and you'll find the freedom in that. Why don't you just pause in a moment of silence? We're going we're gonna to close with uh, Wesley's covenant prayer, but um, and we'll read that together. It's a prayer of surrender. But before we do, uh, I just want us to be quiet and uh, allow God to speak to us in those areas where we can use our resources for his kingdom benefit. Lord, we acknowledge that we live in a wealthy place that you have provided so many resources for us. And God, we just want to be intentional to use them for your glory and our joy, that lives would be transformed. So Lord, give us the opportunity um, to use whatever we have and who we are to benefit the lives of others, to build those relationships that not only would others come to know you, but we would see them thriving. We would see our world different. So God, continue to challenge us, to correct us, to change us, that we might be more like you. Will you pray this prayer together with me? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Amen. As we close out the service today, we're going to take communion together. And uh, when you came in the doors to the worship center, you should have received a, a cup. And uh, there's two layers to that. The top layer, if you peel back, is the bread. The second layer is the juice. And we have an open table here at All Shores, which means simply you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a member of our denomination. Um, we just believe that if you are pursuing a relationship with Christ, that you are seeking him and what he has for you, that you are welcome to partake and welcome to do this together. This is what the body of Christ does as we remember what he has done for us. And so if you'll take that uh, the cup and take the bread out. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Scripture says that Jesus took the bread, he broke it and gave thanks. And he said to his disciples who had gathered with him, this is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And then Jesus took the cup filled with the sweetness of the wine, which washed away the bitterness during the meal. 
And Jesus said, this is the blood of a new covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins that would wash away sin, that would make us new. Let us take and drink in remembrance of it. Father God, we, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the salvation that you have brought, the grace that we have, that we can be made new in you. Lord, help us to be faithful to live that out, to be Christ followers in all that we do and with all that we have. In your name, amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to worship together and then we'll close things out. No hold on me who 
song is my my debt is paid Jesus has paid it all everything we have is his and there's freedom in that to say God whatever I have whatever is if you're, you can have it that posture of surrender I, I hope that you as you go don't carry that the power of our culture to be something that you're not but to be all that God has called you to be by surrendering to him each and every day come back next week uh, Pete will be back. Dr. Wayne Schmidt will be here. Once you open up your hands, I'll give a blessing. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continually fill you with his spirit. Uh, may you experience the freedom of surrender. And may you know his peace. And may you use your resources this week to gain friends for all eternity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.